Hello, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Jake Thomas on the line. Jake is a WNBF bodybuilder. He is a beast. He does physique competitions. He's done natural bodybuilding for years now. He's super passionate about the sport of natural bodybuilding, which was super cool to talk with him because I am as well, and I feel like more people need to know about natural bodybuilding as a sport and as an industry. So we, we kind of dove into that. We talked about how he's transitioned through multiple different types and styles of dieting to compete. I mean, last time he stepped on stage, he did a full-blown vegetarian diet. So we talked about that a little bit. Um, so it's just a really cool conversation. It's always cool to talk to a fellow, fellow natural bodybuilder and dive into that realm and kind of just speak on that. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with Jake. live jake how are you brother i'm well thanks so much for having me today Rob. hey man i appreciate you making the time so we talked i guess last week we just uh scheduled a zoom call and started diving into natural bodybuilding and carnivore and keto and all that it entails uh, and i'm like man this whole thing ought to be a podcast so we've we've followed that up with an actual podcast which is what this is here so i'm super excited to just dive into all things natural bodybuilding because i feel like we need more people in the space talking about that but before we get into that, can you just kind of give some background to anybody listening as to, you know, what got you in the space, what got you into bodybuilding, just kind of give me some backstory? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, thanks so much for having me. Um, I started out uh, really, I guess, by way of the Marine Corps. I uh, served from 2003 to 2007. And, you know, my prioritization of fitness really was forced so to speak as much as it was enjoyed mm -hmm. and uh, i've been an athlete uh, all my life playing most of the ball sports so you know my nutrition and exercise were certainly always pillars to my life but as i got older they become became more uh, requirements and then uh, you know more dependables to me to mm -hmm. where they weren't just things that i was doing but they were really parts of my life and uh Later in my 20s, I had the opportunity to train with a friend of mine who was actually prepping for her first show, and we were working out together, and she was just kind of casually said, hey, why don't you, you know, prep with me or give a show a chance too, and, you know, in, in casual conversation, I'm just like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. How hard can it be, you know, in my mind, mm -hmm. <laughs> and boy, was I in for a surprise because I, you know fit myself to be pretty healthy and in pretty good shape. And I was definitely confident in my abilities of uh, working out and how I looked. But taking it to that level was a completely different story and one that I had no idea what it entailed as far as in commitment, irritability that would <laughs> soon follow and just uh, the level of detail that you don't, don't really realize are, uh, or aren't really things you don't account for when you're just kind of gripping it and ripping it, yep. uh, which most of us kind of do by default uh, from either what we know, the time we have, or what we think is right, et cetera, et cetera. So I did my first show. It was a uh, WNBF show, World Natural Bodybuilding Federation show. And um, I did pretty well. I ended up finishing third overall in men's physique uh, at that show, you know, sniffed the pro card <laughs> very closely. So it gave me a bug of, maybe I could have done this a little bit better. I could have tried this a little harder and uh, got me the fever of wanting to really go after the pro card. Mm -hmm. And doing it on the national circuit was such an eye-opener to me, number one, because I'd never heard of it. 
And number two, everything that really went into being a natural bodybuilder, particularly with the WNBF. And, um, you know, for me, just the prep and the experience and the process and everything was such a, a great ride. I had an awesome coach uh, who's still my coach to this day. I actually was just having a conversation with him earlier about a couple of good things and a, and a client that he's working with right now that I was giving praise to for a, an awesome four-month transformation. It's my boy, Teddy. What's up? And um, he and I just made a great relationship and friendship. But what I was able to learn from the prep and onto the stage and then, you know, going in and out of it, it just kind of put into me, wow, this is truly, truly work. And it's uh, work that's done, again, to the word naturally. You know, there's no performance-enhancing substances, as you know, from being a WNBF pro. Um, the way you get there is through sweat equity and hard work and dedication. And I think it's just unfortunate that so many people don't know about the WNBF, myself included, uh, until my first show, uh, that it's such a shadowed kind of um, federation and whole, I guess, division of the sport to where, you know, people ask me, like, oh, what is natural bodybuilder? What does that mean? You know, you don't take supplements or does it mean you, you can only work out with body weight or, or what does that actually entail? And then go into the details of telling people like, no, it means that, you know, there's no PEDs and much further than just anabolic steroids, quote unquote. But, you know, that banned substances list is, is a, is a, is a booklet. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you've seen it and some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff on there is over the counter. And when people ask, well, what do you do? Like, how do you read nutrition labels? And, and and I would say I was extremely meticulous about everything and anything that I consume. And even if it was from a friend or, you know, a, a known source of, hey, try this out or, you know, demo this or a product promo, I would oftentimes pass on that because if I didn't know what was in it and maybe they said, well, there's a proprietary blend or we've got this patented formula, I'd be like, no, you know, you're keeping it a secret, not for my benefit. Yeah. And whether it's meant to hurt or harm, it's, you know, it wasn't worth the risk of uh, jeopardizing my work. But uh, I really fell in love with it, man. You know, I fell in love with the pride, I think more than anything, uh, of knowing what it took to get there and how uh, genuine the work was done to make all that happen. And especially the other competitors, you know, when, when you're on your own and it is indeed a lonely road, um, prepping and competing uh whether you're in the gym or, or you know making food or having trouble sleeping because you're going to bed hungry or you know backstage trying to do xyz and time everything right just before you hit stage for the, just those few minutes of of hopeful glory it's it's such a cool competition a cool type of competition and i've always been a competitor and i've enjoyed you know i guess just heads up kind of contest where it's whoever reaches the finish line first is your winner or whoever can do x better than y is your winner but when it's pitted on subjectivity like this it's tough because when you don't win you know you start to wonder why what i do wrong what could i have done better i thought i had it all mm -hmm. so it's a really cool um you know competition within yourself even though you're out there with other people but you just see the work that others have put in and it's a really infectious place to be around and again because knowing that it's all natural you know and when uh, people try to criticize or maybe suggestively inquire 
about uh, its credibility and whatnot. Oh, well, I, I would do that because, you know, I'm, I'm natural or, uh, you know, I, I, I think I could do that. And it's like, well, how long have you been natural for? A week or a year, two years? And, you know, the WNBF's prereqs are, are 10 years prior to your first show of being clean. Mm-hmm. And they validate that uh, extensively with, you know, the, the Q&A that you take, the affidavit, so to speak. Um, the declaration that you make uh, beforehand, and then even the polygraph before the uh, the shows. And I know we talked about this last time. <laughs> how funny it is sitting there wired up to a machine, and people are like, like a, a lie detector test. And it's like, yeah, to, to step out on this date, you get wired, strapped to a chair, and are asked the yes nos, the seven deadly yes nos, um, before you walk on stage, and it's. You know, I think I told you this last time we talked that one of the uh, examiners one time he asked me, he's like, why are you so nervous? And I guess because my uh, readings he was getting were, were pretty <laughs> elevated, my heart rate was pretty elevated. And I told him, I was like, because you could ruin this moment for me or you could steal this. Uh, I forget what I told him, but basically that he was in, con- in control of my fate, mm-hmm. you know, and that all this hard work could go away. He's like, well, if you have nothing to worry about, you know, what are you worried about? And I was like, man, this is an intense moment for, you know. It's like, are we in the CIA here? It's like, no, we're just going out there to, to prove that we're, we're clean. And it's, you know, I commend them for, for taking that level of, of scrutiny because even still, you know, people cheated or they at least try to. And uh, for them to take it that seriously, I take it that seriously as well. And I think it's just such a cool, cool thing, even though it makes my heart flutter a little bit. <laughs> um no, I, I, I love it, man. I feel like, you know, we talked about this last time, but, you know, we, as natural athletes, it's like we're almost, you know, damned if we do, damned if we don't, so to speak, when it comes to talking about natural bodybuilding, because I feel like there's this weird stigma that exists of if you have to tell people you're a natural bodybuilder, then it probably means you're not a natural bodybuilder. Like, there's this weird stigma there. So, like, I've always hesitated talking about natural bodybuilding and just, you know, said, hey, I'm a bodybuilder. I've always been natural, but I've, like, you know, swayed away from from putting that title on it because I didn't want people to just assume or judge or whatever. But I realize now that, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate and an evangelist for keto because I believe in it. I feel like it's the best way to do things. So I'm talking about it. I'm building a brand around it. I'm, I'm living it. I'm, I'm talking about it. I'm preaching it and teaching others about it. And I feel like I need to do the same thing with natural bodybuilding because I'm also very passionate about that. I feel like it's the healthy, more sustainable way to go about it. So I'm really going to start, you know, hitting that point home with all of my content going forward. Like I'm not going to avoid or sidestep talking about natural bodybuilding for what it is because I don't care what people think. Like if they think that I'm on stuff, then they clearly just don't know who I am as a person. And, oh, well, you know, I can't I can't change how they think about me. But I feel like so many more people would benefit if I, you know, bring this to the center of attention and I feel like people like you talking about it and other natural athletes I mean the world needs to know about this as an outlet and as a sport and as a subset of bodybuilding as a whole because I feel like it's just a much more rewarding and fulfilling aspect of the sport of bodybuilding yeah I uh, I totally agree and um, I'm actually very upfront about um, telling people that I'm natural or a natural bodybuilder rather because um in a similar sense but i guess on the other side you know i feel that just the word bodybuilding in general is just stigma mm-hmm. to the max with steroids with performance enhancing substances etc to any type of just altered you know 
things into your body. Um, the stigma of bodybuilding is big, bulky, over muscular, you know, bro culture, uh, Red Bull or energy drinks and, 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 you know, pre-workout and like, it's just all of that. Like if you could put a, a diagram together, it'd probably be very easy yeah. uh, and funny and funny of just like bumper sticker captions and, and, and cartoon caricatures, you know, but uh, it's so much different, especially when it is in the natural circuit because you just see the way people look compared to what they look like in other federations that don't have the same testing policies mm-hmm. as what the, the WNBF has, you know, human, the WNBF athletes look human. Yeah. Look, look very human. You know, there's no oversized or undersized, uh, asymmetrical body parts because there's proportionality and symmetry that's not being sought after. It's just naturally occurring. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one of the big things about natural bodybuilding versus unnatural bodybuilding. And that's what it should be. It should be natural and unnatural. Like, why do we have to say natural? And the other side is just doesn't have the word, you know, it should, it should be natural and unnatural, but it's like, uh, I think I said this in last week, the Olympics, is there a natural and unnatural Olympics? Is there a natural and unnatural major league baseball, a natural, unnatural national football league? No. Why? Because the unnatural versions of all those are illegal. So why is bodybuilding the only sport, at least that I know of, the only sanctioned, condoned sport in the world that permits, not only permits that, but like, I, I don't want to say encourages it, but it's just, it's part of the, it's, it's a, it's like a prerequisite almost, you know, yeah. like, and I, I remember competing in an IF, um, in a, an unnatural, excuse me, an unnatural uh, federation, a big one, uh, a couple of years ago in a foreign country. And my coach and I were talking and kind of having a laugh before because I was actually prepping for a natural national show in another country before the uh, the world championships later that year. I had a crazy, uh, crazy season that year. It was like five shows. Three of them were almost back to back to back. And that was, it was awesome. I had great results finished third in the world in the men's open and it was really cool and a, and a great ride but boy i was tired i'm in but one of the one of those shows was a was an unnatural federation show and um coach was kind of like i don't know man you know these gonna be some big boys and better. i was like ah let's try it anyway let's see how we do I came out second you know and like going up there and looking around everybody on the stage and i'm just like every one of these guys is on something mm-hmm. without without a doubt and i am up here like second from the left you know um number two can you move over you know can you move to the center switch with four and i kept getting closer and closer in the middle and i was like this is wild dude like biting my thumb so to speak at this you know kind of stigma and um it was just really cool probably one of the coolest moments for me in my career was was that because I was like, wow, you know, this is possible. And, but still like watching the other um, classes go, you just see people that just don't look natural to me. And um, I don't want to say, you know, what's right or what's wrong. I mean, do what makes you happy, baby. That's, that's the key to life and love in the world. But at what risk to yourself and at what cost yeah. is my only concern. 
you know, and that's where I really have, like you said, an evangelical kind of stance of, of um, disapproval uh, and discouragement towards that because you know, you're playing with, with things that you don't really understand. People that aren't educated enough to uh, administer the things that they're administering upon themselves or the dangers that they are um, subjecting themselves to as far as in procuring those things. I mean, because in a sense, you're basically, you know, calling a drug dealer, purchasing a, a substance illegally and then administering it to yourself um, unsanctioned or not not un unlicensed or, you know, whatever the word you, unqualified. Yeah. So like each each one of those steps is is not a step in the right direction as far as in, I don't know, self self betterment, you know, or like personal safety. Mm -hmm. So the whole kind of, to me, um, circus is, is susceptible to, to criticism because of that. Like, how can you be standing on a stage where you are, by many standards, considered to be a, an epitome of health and, you know, ideal physique and, and qualities of, of, of human physicality? You know, by by the nature of, of saying those things, you're you're thinking like, you know, to me, I'm reminded of like, you know, statues and, and Greeks and Romans and like famous, you know, carved marbling sculptures and whatnot. But to me, the integrity is like tarnished when you start to stain it with what I would call corruption, you know, and impurities into the body. Like, how can you have, you know, be this face or this body or this image of what's supposed to be the right way to live or look, et cetera, but it's all really a facade obtained in a, you know, disingenuous way. Yeah, totally, man. And there's there's a lot of, you know, elite level pro bodybuilders that are open about, you know, the use of their performance enhancing drugs, uh, which which I have exponentially more respect for those individuals that are honest about it. I mean, if you're gonna be competitive you know, on like a Mr. Olympia stage, then there's there's no question you're taking a serious load of stuff. Uh, you're taking some serious creatine. And, you know, if you're doing that, and that's that's how you, you know, feed your family, that's your livelihood. That's, that's the route that you decide to go on in life. You know, more power to you. Do what you want to do. I'm not here to say you're right or wrong. But I, I am just amazed at how many people you know, that step on stage on an amateur level that only do a couple shows their entire life aren't making any money from it and are willing to take that type of risk or even, you know, one step further, people that don't even compete, like just the gym bros that want to like look good on a beach, but they're willing to take that kind of, you know, supplementation to the next level to just gain size at the expense of their long-term health. Like that, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't comprehend the motivation behind wanting to go that direction. Yeah, and uh, the why, you know, we've all got our why, I guess. And like you said, it's not my place to judge anyone. And, and I totally agree with you in saying that those that are upfront about what they do and how they do it, kudos. Absolutely. You know, if you do it, own it. And the rest of them, well, you know, uh, they're all talk, you know, actions, 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 actions. You can say what you want, but, you know, the proof is in the pudding and the tape don't lie, as mm -hmm. they say. <laughs> but uh, no, man, it's it's a, it's a cool place. I, I love all the people there at the WNBF. They've all been great. And, 
you know, the, the career experience has been, has been a trip, pun intended. And, uh, yeah, you know, this season kind of got washed out. I know you had a, a great prep earlier this year. I was following along watching you uh, go through that, you know, pretty much carbless and, and ketoed out and really, really, really looking awesome over your 12 weeks and especially uh, leaning down those final few to, uh, you know, barely under 2,000 calories um, in your final couple of weeks, which for anybody listening is an amazingly high uh, amount of calories to have um, per day that close to a peak week and that close to a, a stage, mm-hmm. particularly with the, the, the grams of fat that you're having and the ratio of, of, of fat proportionality. It's amazing. Uh, I was geeking out, kind of watching. That. I was like, "Man, how is this dude pulling this off? This is insane!" You know, because it goes against the grain of so many things that we learned uh, with the traditional kind of bro bodybuilding diets, and uh, definitely with a sad uh, standard American diet. And uh, it's kind of how I found myself eating uh, carnivore. I'd been, uh, I'd actually been a vegan before. Uh, yeah, I, I want to talk about that for sure, ago. man. If you want to dive into the vegan experiment a little bit, preliminary to the carnivore yeah. experiment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I uh, was influenced by a lady I was dating, um, which is always a, usually a great source of inspiration and enlightenment in general. And um, she was eating that way. She encouraged, um, not directly encouraged me, but you know, offered me the the opportunity. And I said, sure, why not? And, uh, you know, we both worked up regularly together and, and I respected her in, in that space as well. So, so sure, why not? It made, you know, buying groceries a lot easier um, anyway <laughs> and cooking together. So I said, why not? And it was cool. Um, I can't say that I noticed any tremendous differences as far as in um, how I felt or, you know, did my eyesight improve or uh performance wise you know i enjoyed eating that way i I love food um as vague as the statement might be but love my veggies love my fruits you know all the the good nuts and legumes i'm i was fine with eating the food and i didn't really miss um animal products per Mm se came out of that and um went back to training um eating you know bro style for 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 shows um moderate carb high protein low fat mm-hmm. did that cyclical stuff for a couple of years while i was competing and then um actually last year funnily enough it was right before that big vegan uh plant-based diet documentary yeah viral documentary came out game i changers. went back to being game changers exactly i went uh, back to doing some vegan experimentation because it was like two months out from the world championships last year. And I was having this huge debate with a friend of mine and he was like, man, you can't do it as a vegan and da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just do it. And like, despite you. So I did my whole prep for the world as a vegan and I competed in the world as a vegan. And I finished third in the world's in the open as a vegan. And people were like, how is that possible? And, da, 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 da. and I was like, man, it's, anything's possible. Like it's impossible if you, if you say it's not possible, then for sure you're already way uphill, you know, or going uphill. Mm-hmm. But to me, just like the same way with people probably tell you what you did is impossible or it shouldn't be possible or et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, you can keep telling me that from the, from the sofa or you can keep telling me that from, 
you know, the bottom of the hill, but I'm standing on top of it <laughs> telling you I got up here, you know? Yep, exactly. And, uh, you know, that kind of got me thinking in different ways. And, you know, I rode that vegan wave for a while and then I got to call the wild again, so to speak. And, uh, was back to eating bro and, you know, high protein, moderate carb, low fat, and just wasn't having a good run with it. I was all over the place. I was binging here and there. I was up and down with my moods and I just couldn't find my groove because I kept being consistent with how I was eating. And then I would just have these crazy blowout day, days or weeks of, um, of intense binging. And then came across uh, your podcasts with uh, Sean Baker, mm-hmm. um, some of your posts, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast with, uh, with him. And then, you know, a couple write-ups about carnivore and this and that. And I was like, man, what is going on with these, with these people? Are they crazy? And, um, my old roommate actually from the Marine Corps had been eating carnivore. I didn't know this at the time, but for about 10 days, I think he was 10 days in when he told me about it. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, you should try this instead. And we, we always keep tabs on each other with how we're doing and feeling and training. And, and I was like, what do you mean carnivore? I was like, I've been keto before. He's like, no, dude, not keto carnivore and i'm like yeah i know what you mean man and he's like no you don't and i'm and he was right and i was like yeah you mean like zero little car he's like no dude zero and i'm like okay i need to listen and and shut up for a second you know and i listened to him explain this and i did my own due diligence like i said via the podcast and a few write-ups that i could find online and, and some of your posts and i was like damn so a single fuel source wow that's pretty amazing. And I started to do my comparables of, you know, how I was doing in other diets and having been plant-based, having been vegan, having been bro, having been sad, um, pescatarian at one point and thinking about all the things that it took to make those diets happen. You know, being a vegan bodybuilder is a lot of processed stuff, Yeah, you know, one way or another, you've got to get, to get your substance, your, your amounts of macros in, you have to use supplements because otherwise you're not going to be able to make the ratios the way you want them to be like to be a vegan, low fat bodybuilder. Yeah. It's, I would say it's impossible to do it without supplements or without processed uh, foods mm-hmm. because you're not going to be able to, you know, how are you going to find tofu, tempeh or setai or, you know, other types of, uh, I don't know, processed beef, so to speak. Um, and you're definitely going to need a protein powder of some kind, and then you're going to have to get the right one that doesn't have a ton of carbs or fat, depending on what you're trying to avoid. And it was a tricky, tricky formula. But, I mean, I dialed it in, of course. But, you know, when I would go somewhere, I'd have, like, a kit with me of, you know, this powder and, you know, this kind of stuff for this meal, and everything was so prescribed and manicured. And I was just devoting so much daily brain energy to what I was going to eat. And I, and I think I told you that, like, you know, how much over the last few years has my food been such a huge portion or what I'm going to eat been such a huge part of, you know, my, my brain units, my daily allotment of brain units. So, you know, like I think so much about that, or I've thought so much about how I'm going to eat, what the portions, you know, factoring and everything into my, my calculator and uh you know weighing it out portioning it out it's exhausting and 
was it worth it? I don't know, but man, it, it definitely took its toll. And that was a huge reason for me to explore this carnivore route. And then also to satisfy some voids that my body has definitely suffered through, you know, with eating disorders of, you know, adrenal strain, uh, just hormonal spikes and crashes from the lacks of fat. I, I mean, my body's been thrashed uh, over the last couple of years and you don't see it on the outside, but it's, it's, it's felt from the inside. You know, people see how we would look, you know, prep ready, stage ready. And like, man, you, you gotta, you look awesome. It's like, yeah, but I feel terrible. You know, <laughs> like if you're around me, you can definitely, uh, feel my irritability a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, um, reading more about how things like that would go away. I was like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. But really how cool would it be to be able to, consume one single thing and not just um, survive from it, but actually like thrive and grow and benefit and, and change to the point of, you know, an infant, a newborn has a very, for most, for most of the time, is a very limited range of foods that it consumes. You know, let's say a lot of times at the beginning, it's just breast milk, right? Well, that's all it needs at that time in its life that's all it needs to grow and to to become more right it's feeding that body and, and making that body become the next version and as we get older you know it's hard to have more firsts because we've already done so many things and uh this is to me such a new frontier of just an unexplored frontier because if i could eat let's say for example steak if i eat steak which i eat pretty much every day now for the last two months imagine like you know everything that's going to be removed from my body and replaced with just these high 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 nutrient dense building blocks of of 100 out of 100 utility ratings you know like whereas i'm getting rid of all these old donuts and garbage sugars and simple carbohydrates that i've consumed over the last 36 years and replacing them all with 100 out of 100, 100 out of 100, you know, every bite, everything that I chew and put into my body now is just at the absolute highest marginal utility of satisfaction to where there are zero empty calories now. And I, I equate that to kind of being a newborn with the formula. You know, this is my 36-year-old version of formula to heal my body with, to, to, to be rid of my body of impurities and toxins that have just had, you know, Three, three decades worth of, uh, of buildup. And um, now that they're being removed little by little and, and all this, you know, just highly, highly nutritious content being put into my body uh, regularly, I'm so excited for what's going to come more because I've already felt so much better now and seeing how my body has adapted and reacted to the change it definitely fought it a little bit at the beginning i was very moody and a little depressed the first couple of weeks and kind of uh not feeling so great but now you know i think less and less and less about food which for me is one of the biggest things because it dominated my life um for so long and not thinking about food in a good way but like worrying about it you know yeah. and that's not something that I wanted to have. And it's a bad relationship to have with food. It's, it's very important to have a good, a great relationship with food, but it shouldn't be so dominating, um, to my thought process. And now it's like, 
it's not even a worry. You know, I remember uh, I was talking to my friend yesterday in California, um, buddy that put me on to carnivore, and I was like, man, you know what? If worse came to worst, I could buy a dozen eggs and eat them all raw, straight up, and not be you know bad an eye. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, pretty much. I was like, dude, I'd love it. You know, I would I would crack each egg one by one and just right in my mouth raw you know not 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 rocky style in the glass and, and stir them up and drink it no i just crack it crack it if i had to eat the bacon raw i would eat it raw if i had to eat the beef raw which i do sometimes i eat it raw you know when i go if i order steak or my meat anywhere now i get it rare mm-hmm. pittsburgh rare if they can do it you know crisp crust but red in the middle and people look at me at the restaurants sometimes or if I'm at a barbecue place. I told you I was, I was in South Texas getting some great barbecue. Uh, can I get a pound of brisket fatty, please? All right, we need a pound of moist brisket. Um, and I would look at the guy cutting and be like, when you cut it for me, please, I want you to make it as fatty as possible, so fatty that you would almost think it's unedible because it's disgusting. And they look at me like, what is wrong with this guy, you know, or, or where is that food going? Cause you don't look like you eat like this, you know, yep, exactly. And, uh, sir, do you need any sauce or sides or bread or no, just the wax paper and, and a fork and a knife, anything to drink or a dessert? Nope. That's fine like this. And it's so satisfying, man. Every bite is, is like I said, a hundred out of a hundred, you know, there are no bad bites. And I, finish my meals plumb full like a lion out on the the range you know picking my teeth with bones and it's a good feeling 100 percent, man you know you can go like a day without worrying about food again and not blink an eye yep i mean honestly you can get freaking shredded with any diet like you can get shredded and be a competitive bodybuilder at an elite level with flexible dieting if it fits your macros bro dieting vegetarian vegan keto carnivore you can do it with any diet out there you know but what really fascinates me is let's let's not just simply meet the criteria let's optimize for the criteria and not just for the competition but for life and when you start really stripping away all the the excess to really boil that down to what that means what does it mean to optimize for life and i don't think it is illustrated in having to carry around you know eight Tupperwares everywhere you go. I don't think it's illustrating having to supplement with a whole bunch of highly processed, you know, garbage every time you have a meal. I don't think you need to do all this unnecessary, crazy chaos that a lot of people are suggesting you have to do to be successful with your nutrition. I mean, if you can just eat quality, wholesome, single ingredient foods and optimize for that, that that is the win right there. That that's what the goal should be. And that leads to a better relationship with food, more hormonal regulation, a better metabolic rate when you get it all dialed in. I mean, everything's just better, more sustainable, and then you can get on with living your life because life should not revolve around the food you're consuming. It's a part of it. It's not the summation of it. Wow. No truer words have (laughs) been spoken. That's so funny. Um, And how, you know, Bass Ackwards, I had that for years, unfortunately. I did too, um, man. <laughs> I did too. You know? <laughs> I feel like but, people uh, like people that have done a competition, especially if they've done one, you know, kind of, it sounds like your first competition store was similar to mine. Like we just 
kind of flippantly jumped into it without really having any experience or, you know, a whole lot of proper guidance at the onset. But, like, you, you don't have that perspective, so you just do what feels right. And for whatever reason, what feels right for someone that doesn't know what they're doing is just incredible caloric restriction and very, very high protein, all the protein shake, all the stuff you see about in the magazines, you know, all the all the marketing does its work and magic them. But, like, when you're, like, binging on foods, going, you know, crazy high-calorie meals, just sucking down all kinds of stuff that you know you shouldn't be consuming, but you totally are disconnected with the food you're eating, and then you break free of that, and you experience what it's like to own your food instead of it owning you, it's like, I mean... How can you not be passionate about this lifestyle after you gain your freedom back? <laughs> I'm so glad you said that um, about having to tell yourself, kind of convince yourself with the the food while you're eating it. After uh, my first 30 days of carnivore, and I went strict, strict 30, nothing. No, I didn't even have coffee. It was the longest I'd gone without caffeine since... I can remember. I mean, every morning, five, I, you know, usually up between 4.30 and 5. And first thing I do, roll out, brush teeth, make coffee. And um, 30 days without doing that, I had not done that in, since I was probably a kid, you know, not had coffee for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel a thing from it. You know, it, there wasn't a lull in my performance or my energy throughout the day, you know, and still go train right away in the morning and have no problems at all. And then still have tons of energy throughout whatever I was putting my head into. I was, um, I'm in business school right now, uh, um, remotely and I had no drops, you know, as far as an attention and, you know, sometimes the classes can be long. Um, so they're eight hours a day, you know, four hours break and four hours. And by the end of it, a lot of times people are, you know, open about saying they're not too, they're, they're pretty tired and I'm like, no, you know, I don't say anything, but I'm in my head. I'm like, no, man, I'm good. You know, and to be that way without coffee, I couldn't believe it. And after my 30 days, I was like, okay, what am I going to have is like a, a cheat, you know, a treat, which is so stupid. Like why would I go to recovery to, to just get back on the street and, and abuse myself again, you know, yep, and, yep. or be looking to do that. So, I'm like, all right, well, whatever, let's, let's, let's go for it anyway. So I made myself some pancakes and pancakes were always my just go to love of sweetness, pancakes, waffles, French toast and cereal, and cereal were always my, my faves. So I made me some pancakes, bananas, blueberries, the whole nine yards, almond butter on top, tons of syrup and butter. I mean, it's, you know, monster stack, like, <laughs> like one of the, like one of the rocks, uh, cheat days, his, his cheat days are crazy cool. And um, I got like three bites into it. And I was just like, man, this is just not bringing it home. You know, and I had to like, I I pushed the plate back and sat back and looked at it. And I was like, did I make these bad? You know, like I was like, I know I didn't because I make make them killer. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, so I pulled the plate back towards myself. I dive back in with the fork. I'm like, all right, chew this, eat it and enjoy it, dude. Like, Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm chewing the the food and i'm having to tell myself like almost like enticing myself we like this remember we like this this is our jam remember when you were a kid this was your favorite thing i mean all these things i'm like as opposed to just biting into something being like oh my god this is you know no words needed a la 
fatty ribeye because mm-hmm. it's just ecstasy. I was literally having to tell myself to enjoy the food. There is something terribly wrong with that, right? And then not to mention, I was getting nothing out of it in my body. I'm just like, okay, this is like chilling on air. You know, the the the, the satiety is just empty or it's not, it's half-hearted, right? So it doesn't have that 100 out of 100 utility to it. It's like, you know, the bites are 25 out of 100, 37 out of 100, maybe a 48 out of 100. But they're certainly not hitting me like these just awesome pieces of ribeye or eggs and bacon or brisket. And so um, that was a real head spinner for me that night. So the next day I tried it again. The next night I tried it again with something else. Couldn't do it. And it just was not bringing it home. So I was like, all right, we'll kick rocks. Let's go back to going full on. And uh, I've been back since and I'm pushing 60 days coming up. The only things I've really found to be little enjoyable sidesteps have been fruit. Um, I had a plum the other day that almost knocked me out. It was so good. Like I couldn't even uh, like comprehend the flavor. It was so intense. It was like uh, one of those plums that's just so soft. It's probably a day from being overripe. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you could just, you can almost squeeze it and pull the skin off of it. Like it's like, it's, uh, you don't have to cut it with anything. You can literally tear the skin off with your fingers mm-hmm. and it's like bleeding. I mean, this is probably one of the best tasting fruits I've ever had in my life. And I, it was like hard for me to process literally. I was just like, how can, how can something taste so good? My God. And so I was laughing with my, my boy that, uh, got me on this again. And I was like, this is crazy, but I guess it's a good thing when, you know, the, your cheat so to speak behind the door is a plum you know like and uh having confusion about how something can taste so good being something true and natural as opposed to something that was created in the lab somewhere is yeah. pretty cool man yeah i think there's like this weird psychological battle that that is raging whenever you're eating food like you can be eating pancakes for instance and you can you can count out your macros and you can know that this meal of pancakes with fruit on top and some whipped cream and almond butter and some syrup is is actually perfectly in line with your macronutrient goals for the day but you can eat that and and feel guilty just the same because deep down inside whether you want to admit it or not you know that a bunch of syrup and pancakes and crap is not really the best thing for your body like you you can you can look super shredded you can have the eight pack you can have the five percent body fat eating pancakes but deep down inside you know this is not the primo this is not the superior optimized food choice whereas when you're eating a quality cut grass-fed steak or something that you've gone out hunted and harvested on your own or something that you've like you just know that the farmer where it came from like you can eat that and there is no in inner battle raging because you know deep down inside that this is 100 percent just pure fuel that's gonna you know soak itself into your body and power you through the day and there's no guilt associated with it subconscious or consciously and when you don't have that that makes the entire process significantly more fulfilling sustainable and enjoyable like i don't see a point in going away from that i i crave that feeling more so than i crave any momentary cheat meal quote unquote like that's not worth it to me because that's not going to give me that high and my lord is the uh, the guilt <laughs> it's heavy 
And uh, what, you know, what kind of enjoyment is that? Like where you're taking a bite and almost looking over your shoulder, like, is anybody looking at me? Are they going to judge me? Or, you know, whether you're actually doing that or like, you know, I'm judging myself. How, how lame is that? You know, for, for something that it's not really going to give anything to me, you know, macrobiotically. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually going to take something from me. You know, it's going to give me this huge sugar rush and then it's going to, leave me <laughs> you know hurting and sad and and uh, you know keeled over on the sofa because i'm about to pass out from an insulin spike yeah what's yeah. up with that you know uh from my birthday a couple weeks ago i went and got a big tomahawk ribeye at this uh, steakhouse in, in san antonio and um place was closing down and i was like hey i don't want to bother you guys but it's not too much trouble i'd love to get a a, a tomahawk and they're like just for yourself I'm like, yeah, if it's okay, and it's I think it was 32 ounces on the uh, on the menu, and I'm like, yeah, if it's all right. And they're like, are you sure? Just for you? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> pretty sure. And uh, okay, I, I get the steak and they serve. And is there anybody come with? I was like, no, it's just me. And you know, I finished the steak in pro- probably about 10 minutes, <laughs> and the, the chef comes out and he's like, God dang, dude. Where, where you put all that meat at? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It, you made it. It was really good. I didn't want to offend you by having to just sit here, you know? And he's like, well, shit, I'm going to ask you if you want dessert, but I think you don't need it, huh? I was like, no, I'll be fine. Thank you. And and somebody from the back was like, yeah, that dude's going to have meat sweats like a mofo. <laughs> and uh, I was laughing when he said that because I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yep. And uh, I have not had a single meat sweat in the last 60 days. And I think that's so funny. You know, people like, do like when he said that, I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to go for a walk probably. And I'm going to be up for a few hours because I'm wired from all this, from this meat, you know, as opposed to, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass out before I get out of the door, you know, or I better get out of here before I fall asleep in the bar. You know, it's funny because like we live in a pretty, I mean, this year's obviously pretty crazy with the pandemic and the riots and everything. But for the most part, we live in a pretty safe area. Like, we're not literally having to wake up every day and go fight for our lives on the front line of some, you know, Spartan war or, you know, fight against a saber-toothed tiger or something like that. Like, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty well off right now. But, like, I try and imagine what my life and how my response would look if something dire happened to me like on a moment's notice and if i just had like a massive you know meal at denny's with a bunch of pancakes and waffles or some chinese buffet or some you know any restaurant that's just massive amount of carbohydrates mainlined you know i'm not i'm not gonna be able to defend myself i'm not gonna be able to defend my wife my family is totally screwed because i'm gonna be just like easy prey i'm dead i'm dead you know whereas i can literally eat you know three pounds of meat and go run a couple miles and steadily hold a bow and shoot it and hit my mark. You know, whatever I need to do, I can do when I'm putting the right fuel in my body. When I'm like not, I mean, I'm freaking dead, man. I'm 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 low on the totem pole. I am natural selection is going to take me out if I'm eating a whole bunch of carbohydrates and crap processed food. <laughs> I I uh, I'm just I'm laughing thinking about the steak to run to to tear in the bow. It's so- <laughs> so true you know but that's that's what you do like i, I know you, you do like to shoot the bow and that's just so it's it, the metaphor is funny but also because it's true that it, it works you know yeah and uh i sent my mother um a picture of my fridge yesterday i just moved into a new place and 
uh, you know, making the laugh because I'm going to the grocery store. And I got this big double door um, drawer, fridge, freezer. I mean, this thing's like huge. Mm-hmm. And my, my little stack of groceries looks so pathetic in it because, <laughs> you know, I got like a couple of ribeyes, a pound and a half of uh, bottom flap steak, three dozen eggs, two cartons of egg whites, a uh, slab of bacon. And uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so like in this huge fridge, it just looks so tiny, but like that's all I need for the week. And uh, oh, and four pounds of ground Kobe. I forgot about that. But um same thing man you know like i eat this it's almost like my life is also going to a more minimalist approach Mm -hmm. you know like i'm not trying to do tons of extra things i'm just living much more simply um less things less material things i don't know if it's you know playing games in my mind as far as in what i feel i need uh as far as in consumer goods but um yeah, my, my apartment's pretty bare <laughs> right now that I just moved into, and I'm okay with it. Like, I don't mind, you know, I got, like I said, the limited amount of things in the fridge, and I just go out and get done what I need to do, and I'm not too concerned about the rest. And like you said, as long as I can get up, run my X amount of miles, and still be able to fight, I feel pretty good. 100%. And man. uh I don't know, you know, like, uh, like Sean Baker talks about, you know, people can say what they want about things being healthy, uh, greens and, and, and field items and, and vegetables and fruits and whatnot. But, you know, so many of those things are are not uh, or were, would not be either cultivated or consumed before industrialization and certainly in the age of modernity with, you know, the ways we're able to cure, clean, process, and otherwise things for us to eat because a lot of this stuff is not only not good raw, but it can be deadly. And... You know, I'd be curious to ask a vegan, not to come down on anyone, but or any diet, no, no targets, but just any diet. You know, if you had to eat one single thing for the rest of your life and you're trapped on, stuck on a deserted island, Tom Hanks and Castaway, what are you going to eat, right? And he even talks about it in the movie. You know, he starts off with with coconuts, and he's crushing coconuts. Right? takes him a minute to actually get one open of course because they're fortresses but he talks about eating coconuts and how they're great for a while and then the aspect of them being a natural accident kind of you know makes his time on the island not so pleasant for a bit and then he they fast forward for him i think it's like three years later or something where he's all leaned out the long hair super tan and the beard and he's spearing fish yeah right and it's like you know there's a reason for that Right. There's a reason that he's he evolved into that caveman, so to speak, wild man, forager, with this spear that he created with the prong on the three tip prong as opposed to just the single the single jabbed edge. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I use the same the same kind of tip with my pole spear, uh spear fishing. It's not, you know, there's a single tip spear, but there's also the prong, and you use the prong for like reef fish, small fish. When you're up close, but you know you're trying to shoot something far away, it's the single one. So seeing him kind of use that technology was really cool. But really, just his desire for meat, you know, it's whether it's a desire or like an instinct to seek it out, he sought it out, and that's where he found, you know, his success. So back to the 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 one item, you know, you ask people that question. So many people say pizza, of course, 
and pizza's amazing. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's been a while for me, so we'll see next time uh, I give it a shot. But, you know, so many people say pizza. A lot of people also say steak, which I think is cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you ate avocados, for example, for 30 days, just avocados, you know, what do you think would happen? If you ate just beans, if you ate just, I mean, insert whatever you want for 30 days, what would happen? You know, ask Morgan Spurlock what happened eating McDonald's every meal for 30 days. Mm. It damn near killed him. Literally, you know, almost almost put the guy in critical condition and was advised by all of his health professionals, his dietitian, and certainly his, his uh, personal physician to cease and desist what he was trying to do with his experiment because it was really becoming an adverse risk to his health. And um, this is not the case. You know, I had labs done May 27th. I started on June 16th. Um, so I'm going to have another labs uh, round done 100 days after for comparables. And I'm really excited to see what that shows. But, you know, that the Spurlock thing, I think it's just a great example of, the, of that, you know, single item for 30 days. But what other thing could you eat for 30 days that's not going to hurt you or that's not going to wither you down? Yeah, that's, that's a really good I, point. I've never thought I about don't it know, like man. That. You know, you always think about, you know, having this holistic approach to nutrition. And obviously that there's some, some definite pros to that. But if you were to just try and single things out and strip it to the core... And just figure out what the primary base foundation should be, and ask that single item question. I mean, I I, I sure as hell be eating ribeyes. That'd be my pick, you know. Like I'm not gonna be eating pop tarts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what you know. And hey, again, not the target, but the the beloved staple pop tart of the of the American diet, which I grew up on, and I'm sure you had your fair share too. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would happen if you ate pop tarts for 30 days you know i don't know i, I dare say it wouldn't be good nope. i know i know i know chad ochocinco ate a lot of mcdonald's in the nfl and he was very vocal about it sure um marshawn lynch skittles sure but how staple were they like i don't know you know um everybody is different two words and everybody one word is is unique but at the same time, I think it'd be a really cool experiment to run and see what would happen, you know, without risking the health of anyone. But regardless of what someone's preferences might be or, or, or abstinences because of um, personal choice, religious or religion or um, any other reason, I think it would be hard for me to believe that meat wouldn't work. Yeah, for every body, you know, um, if you if you forced it, if you if you were a prisoner, you know, example, if you're a prisoner, and you're forced to eat avocados every day, you're going to wither down. Mm-hmm. You're not going to you're not going to be able to to grow or get stronger. You're eventually going to you're going to start to break down. Right. If you're a prisoner and you're forced to eat rice and beans every day, which many prisoners around the world are forced to eat. Why? Because it's cheap and it'll keep them alive just enough. There's a reason for that, right? It's not by accident that many prisons in the world feed their prisoners that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it's sad, but it works, right? It works because it keeps them alive 
and it keeps them weak. Um, yeah. If you did it heavily, would it would you be able to live and sustain from it? Yeah, you'd probably be okay. You get some protein and whatnot from the beans, fiber and, and whatnot, carbs, of course. But is it going to be the same or like the superiority of something you get out of meat? I don't think so. So I, I think that'd be so cool if, um, I don't know, somehow we could get a PSA going up about that or somehow a reality show of grabbing 10 people from uh, different sex and have them all be controversially against this, first of all, because that'd be the, the best kicker for it. Have one person be an advocate and the other nine be the betas to or one person the advocate be the beta the other nine be the test subjects right to uh to see and complain about it no it's not going to work and then they all you know for the better their lives change because they tried it <laughs> or they all fail because they try to eat their pop tarts for 30 days and see how that goes yeah i mean there's so many people that have for autoimmune issues or whatever have, have had to do an incredibly strict version of carnivore like literally just beef water and salt and I mean, they've only thrived from that. Now, that's, you know, not necessarily sustainable to some that crave more variety, in which case, you know, you can do more of a flexible version of keto in which you're eating cheeses and some vegetables and nuts and stuff like that and still staying within the realms of keto. But, like, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many proven case studies of people that have just done the bare basics and have not seen any decline in health, uh, mobility, or strength. So I think... I think just bringing those case studies and, and doing more studies uh, to make that top of mind to the general public, I think that's that's going to need to happen for sure. Yeah, I, I had a, a friend of mine the other day say uh, he's a big, a big athlete in personality online and uh, talking about how he's kind of tapering off from eating red meat because it was starting to make him sick and giving him types of stomach problems. And I was like, oh, man, it sucks. Sorry to hear that. And I kind of recycled it back to my head after we had spoke. And I was like, I, I even called him. And I was like, you know, man, I bet you it's not the red meat that's making you sick. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I'm, and he's, you know, he's kind of like, you called to tell me this, like, out of nowhere, you know? <laughs> he's like, that's all, you, that's all you've been thinking about this whole time? Two days later, I was like, yeah, whatever. And uh, I was like, it's something else in conjunction with the red meat, dare yeah. I say. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'll say it again, man. I don't think you're getting sick from steak. I think it's you're getting sick from steak plus X. And I would say that's the case for most people, if not everybody. You know, anybody, I don't like making blanket blasts like this, but it's hard. It's, it's getting harder and harder for me not to because of what I'm finding in my own, um, I guess, experiences so far is that uh, – it's like, you know, I went to, I actually went to Texas, uh, one of the Chiascaria Steakhouses the other day, one of the big chains, and ate there. And, and somebody was like, God, man, every time I leave from that place, I'm, I'm so barrel full and ready to die. And I used to be the same way. You know, I used to go there for an employee dinner every year with guys that I worked with at a bar. And it was awesome. Big bro night. You know, we're all drinking and passing desserts around and, and misbehaving. And after we would leave, you know, during the or during the dinner, rather, everybody's like, man, we're going to go out tonight. It's going to be so much fun. We're all going to tear down the town, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, 30 minutes after dinner's over, you know, people are like, yeah, man, I think I'm going to go home. Uh, and people are like, dude, it's like 8 o'clock. You know, yeah, I don't feel so good or I'm tired and I got to go to the bathroom. I mean, everybody just dropping like flies, you know. Mm -hmm. And 
we all had the quote meat sweats too, right? Interesting. Was it the meat? I don't think so. Cause I've since gone back to one of those places and just crushed them, you know, with the green card staying up the whole time. Like I was laughing, listening to Sean talk about that. How he had like, you know, 50 times the guys came back or whatever. Well, I did something similar to that. And I had a pile of lamb chop bones on my plate. And the guys were like, do you want us to take those away? I was like, nah, man, leave them. I want to, I want to see them all when I finish. <laughs> and I had like, I had like 20 bones on the plate, you know? And I, and I was like, well, for sure they didn't make their money on me off of me today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In what, in one way. And then the guy's like, dude, you're going to be all right to leave here. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm, and I had to drive like two hours to get home after that, you know, it was fine the whole way. So what? Again, I dare say it's not the meat, you know, like, but maybe for sure, meat plus insert whatever, does that cause, uh, you know, sleepiness or just fatigue or some type of, I don't know, gastric discomfort or intestinal discomfort or otherwise? Like, yeah, probably. I mean, you're mixing a lot of intense things there. And if something with that high caloric density gets mixed with, you know, one of these things with high carbohydrates and, you know, some extra processing and sugar. Yeah, that's a volatile mixture of substances, all of which have high densities to what they are, that high fat density, high protein density, high carbohydrate density, and high sugar density. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that would make anything sick. Yeah, I've, I've not once had a... I mean, it's, it's funny because when I was eating carbohydrates and, and leveraging you know, rice and potatoes and whatnot to hit whatever my desired macros were. Like I would constantly be running to the restroom and I have to like time my training session just right so that I can make sure that I was able to go to the restroom before training or else it would just be a bad situation. I mean, I'd be bloated <laughs> all the time. Like it was just not optimal. Like it's hard to plan your life around that. I can, I can put down a serious plate of meat and have zero GI discomfort from it. If it's like a clean source of meat, that's just pretty much pure meat with some basic seasoning, salt and pepper, et cetera. There's like zero adverse effects whatsoever. I mean, no gas, no bloating, no nothing. And I feel like, especially from like a competitor, like if you're about to step up on stage, the last thing you want is to be having a whole bunch of GI distress and bloat. So I mean, play it <laughs> safe and eat meat, you know? No doubt. I'm so, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the GI aspect and, and the bathroom parts because I haven't had a bowel movement since Friday. Mm-hmm. I hope that's not that that's not TMI, but just for a good to make a good point of that. Today is Monday. Most people would say shit, man, or shoot, he's. Or I guess that's probably the right word. Uh, he's <laughs> constipated or something. Da, 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 and it's like you know, if you want to, you can say whatever you want about carnivore or, or your advocacy for whatever diet. Just like in in sports with a scout. You know, if a scout is unable to evaluate an athlete in person, what do they rely on? The tape. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the tape don't lie, as they say. You know, and for me, my tape is part partially my bowel movement, right? How I feel is one thing, but like, all right, now the tape doesn't lie because that's something that's actual tangible data, regardless of how I feel. That's what's what's occurring, right? Mm-hmm. So my bowel movements since beginning carnivore have all become far smaller and far less frequent. 
Why? Because I am absorbing everything. You know, the body is, is the greatest communicator ever created, the human body, without a doubt. It has the most objective and direct forms of communication to the brain. It's the brain, however, that chooses to listen to or not listen to the body's messages. And that's where we get in trouble or, you know, we, we push ourselves. When the body's cold, it sends us signals and gives us indications that it's cold. We shiver, we have goosebumps, you know, or we might tingle, we get frostbite. All these symptoms that occur, we choose to warm ourselves, clothe the body, you know, get in, get out of this cold place. That's our brain and our mind choosing to act and, and make that happen. But if we're hot, we're sweating, you know, we have, we're perspiring, our body's telling us this is going on, our temperature's elevating, all these signals are occurring telling us that whatever is happening, make that stop. And our minds choose to or not to. Well, just like you were saying about having to time your sessions sometimes because of, you know, washroom callings and I don't know if I'm going to need to go before or after, you know, some people talk about, yeah, I go to the bathroom four times a day. Man, that's a lot of waste. Mm -hmm. A lot of waste. Why? You know, don't tell me because it's fiber or because oh, I ate a lot of vegetable. So why, why is it, why can't you digest it? Why can't you absorb it? What, why must it be wasted? You know, like, what are you, a juicer? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like literally, you know, you watch the human body it for me, for most people is, is very similar to a juicer, right? You're, you're extracting these nutrients and bits and pieces of, of juice, so to speak, and you're excreting and evacuating all that pulp. Why, why, where's my pulp now? You know, I had since Friday, I've had, a. Uh, uh, a 12 ounce ribeye, a half pound of brisket, a half pound of flank steak, uh, a pound of Kobe ground beef, four eggs, uh, two eggs, skirt steak, six ounce skirt steak. And then today, uh, four eggs, two slices, uh, three eggs, two slices of thick bacon and a pound of skirt steak again not that i'm counting any of that but <laughs> but still haven't made a bowel movement don't have to either yeah and it's funny because like you look you want to bring this back full circle and look at it from the context of you know a contest prep or just performing at life in general you know if if you're let's say you keep you say you let's say you isolate calories and keep those consistent you're, you're taking in 2500 calories of a mixed macro you know high carbs protein fats etc cetera, etc cetera. and you're taking in 2500 calories of you know carnivore approach all meat based and if you're not having near the waste on the carnivore approach and calories are equated for it's pretty clear that your body's getting a heck of a lot more absorption and bioavailability bioavailable nutrients out of that carnivore approach and if you're trying to you know squeeze every little last little bit of nutrients and energy and fuel out of what you're consuming because you've only got a certain allotment of macros in the first place then i'm not going to be squandering those macros on something that's not even contributing to my overall fuel intake because my body can't absorb it like prioritize what you can use yeah you know and 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 i I don't know. It's like weird. I have to disassociate that that need from from my head, like and be like, dude, it's okay. You don't have to number two five times a day and, and feel satisfied or feel like that's right. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that's a right way or a wrong way. I'm just saying for me, that's what I've noticed. And that's kind of what I feel at this point to be like, wow, this is a pretty interesting part of it. Like I said, the tape doesn't lie, yeah. you know, and if that's anything to say, like, again, perfect, well, uh, well put with bioavailability. Clearly I'm hardly wasting anything and absorbing pretty much everything. Yep. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. Well, your, your next, uh, show, you're going to do a, a full blown carnivore approach, aren't you? That's the plan. Uh, it, if, if there is a next, <laughs> I always say that, you know, God, uh, I want it. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, because I try to do a little bit of bro, um, dieting, between uh at that 30 day point again uh, with the pancakes and man i couldn't even eat i couldn't even make myself eat rice it was so weird yeah so um i'm much more geared to this now and uh, again just how i feel and would be way more optimistic to see what i could uh get out of going this way as opposed to trying to revert back to uh the way i've gone before plus that already you know i found some i found great success in that way before cool let's try let's try the way that i don't know you know, to me, it's it's cool exploring that frontier that I have no, you know, real experience with as opposed to the one that, yeah, I did pretty well with. I think it'll be a lot cooler to try it to, uh, you know, the unknown, so to speak. Well, shoot, man, I've done several full-blown ketogenic preps now, so if there's anything I can help with, you know my, you know my number, man. Reach out. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I think I'd be coming straight to you, no doubt. So I don't want to get your hopes up. Rob, but uh, let's see how next season comes around and, you know, God willing, everything will calm down and, and improve health-wise for everyone everywhere and uh, we will have a season and if we do, yeah, well, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't want to be taking another shot at a world title, so. 100%, man, 100%. Well, where can people go to, to follow along, see the journey, man? What's your Instagram? You can find me at Life Like Jake. Uh, that's where I share everything and anything that I can, uh, whether it's workouts or laughs. Um, that's my handle. I'm pretty much, uh, exclusively on Instagram. I have a LinkedIn, but, uh, I follow most of my stuff through IG. Awesome. I will certainly link out to that. Jake, man, pleasure as always. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation last week. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation this week. Let's keep the conversation going, man. Let's keep in touch. Keep spreading the word. Natural bodybuilding keto all the way. No doubt. Thanks so much for having me again, Rob, and uh, be well and stay safe. Likewise, brother. Take care, man.